0: Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome in. It's the Four Feathers podcast. We are here with a special post-trade deadline edition, Ron. Uh, Johnny Nani here. I got Ron loose alongside me. Uh, Ron, good to be
1: here uh, and talk with the resident Four Feathers GM about some of these moves. Johnny, I'm, I'm always excited to jump on the mic with you and, and even more excited when it is movement of players. Because for those that do know, as you mentioned, uh, the resident GM off-season Ron, is a very real thing. Here at ONTAP Sportsnet, uh, I live and breathe for contracts and numbers and player movement and all that good stuff. So I'm excited, man. This will be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good time. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up for the listeners, because if you were not aware,
0: uh, Ron is very much on top of uh, these kind of transactions like uh, we had alluded to there. Um, and then in the off season, it's the same deal uh, when free agency opens and it's the frenzy and everybody's going everywhere. And Ron is always on top of it. So we know we can rely on him here and we appreciate him for it. So, uh Ron, a b- busy day uh for the Blackhawks yesterday. Uh no shortage of moves for Stan. Um it, it, when we're starting with this, all right, you guys touched on a post game show the other night. Um a little bit of the comeback that uh came a little bit before the deadline. this was the Walmart and Carlson to the Panthers uh, in exchange for Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman, Henrik Borgstrom, and a seventh round pick. So we don't need to touch mm-hmm. on that too much, but I just wanted to prelude that because Brett Connolly's name will come up when we discuss some of the games after this. So just a little precursor there. Let's start with the deadline day moves here, Ron. Um, First one yesterday, Uh kind of surprising, uh, at least just, thing this name on the go he thought it would have been someone else first but um obviously just a move that stan was trying to create here and it was matthew highmore uh going to the canucks straight up for adam gaudet initial reaction here
1: initial reaction was i it will first off it screamed stan bowman trade right because stan loves reclamation projects and not necessarily reclamation projects of like this guy sucks and we think we can get something out of him. More just like the, hey, we think a change of scenery and a better opportunity is going to do a lot for him. And I think it, it, it kind of went for both guys, right? Like, I think we kind of noticed of late Highmore wasn't getting in the lineup consistently, especially with the influx of guys like Vinny stroza and and Connolly, and, and some of the other names that you've mentioned. So it kind of was the odd man out. Um, I actually saw some of the reports too from some Twitter, uh, or excuse me, some Vancouver writers on Twitter and they actually said like the Canucks actually feel they can get more out of Highmore and felt like Gaudet had ran his course and it seemed like kind of vice versa. So a good trade, I think for both sides, it was my initial reaction. Johnny.
0: Yeah. So I, I like what you say about kind of like the change of scenery and that's very much what it is. I mean, um, unfortunately it was a worse trade when this happened, but you're talking change of scenery, a guy like Alex Nylander coming from the Buffalo Savers who clearly was not getting anything done uh, out there and they're, whole franchise is a uh, state of you know kind of mush right now but uh that that just kind of vibes that it gave me also a little bit of a Tyler Mott on the move you know what I'm saying mm. uh, I, I'm not saying uh, I you know because Tyler Mott had some really good performances in the playoffs for them uh last year and he's had just stretches for the Canucks but you know just a former Blackhawk kind of that lower line forward going there um that's kind of the vibes that it gives me I, I you know me on uh, Matthew Highmore I believe he is a one-hit wonder and his one hit Fortunately, it was just the bubble up there in Edmonton, uh, these, you know, in 2020 for the playoffs. So, um, best of luck to him. I, I hope he succeeds mm-hmm. there, but that's just, uh, I, I- did not see him working out um at least fit-wise here in the lower six in Chicago. Uh we'll see what God has to bring to the table. for me, former Hobie Baker winner, Ron. So yeah, you know, when you talk about like reclamation project a little bit, yeah, hasn't worked out in Vancouver. Yeah, that's the kind of potential though that you're looking at. Like, and so you know, not not saying this guy's gonna even, you know, crack the lineup with how kind of rigid uh some of these rotations have been. Right. Uh but it's just there in the back pocket if injuries arise or something like that
1: it sure is and I think the one thing too Johnny the initial thought that I had was Stan really knows this guy and the reason I say that for those that maybe didn't put two and two together again GM Ron offseason Ron my brain just good for useless information Stan has seen a lot of Adam Gaudet ladies and gentlemen and if you don't know why let me explain to you why when the Blackhawks back in circa 2017-2018 were waiting for a certain prospect to come up and sign by the name of Dylan Sakura, they were regularly visiting Northeastern University where he was playing. His linemate and Hobie Baker winner, Adam Gaudet, was also playing there at the same time. So Stan saw a lot of Gaudet in person. So this is a guy that he's had multiple seasons of kind of a rap sheet on per se. Um, And clearly, you know, he sees that talent there. He's seen him play at the collegiate level. He knows what he can get out of him probably, what the ceiling is, right? And it's just a matter of getting him in those right situations. So, worst comes to worst, like you said, Johnny, he's depth for this season and maybe not a part of the future here. Best case scenario, maybe they give him another one-year deal, see what he does between, you know, either Rockford or the show, depending on kind of where he sticks. And if he's a guy they think they can fit long-term into the lineup, you know, it's it's a nice move. It's it's a low risk move for both sides in my opinion.
0: Yep, for sure. Uh Adam Gaudet, total has played 153 career NHL games though so there is a little bit of uh you know knowing it's not like a real like raw raw I would say, you know, right. obviously there's still things to develop like within his game, but he has uh, had some experience. 21 goals, 31 assists good for 52 points. Um unfortunately the minus 26 there, so that is some of the where the concerns uh, creep up, but obviously also different systems played uh, in Vancouver and Chicago. Let's move on to the next deal here. Um this one a little bit more expected. The guy that we all expect to leave, Ron, Um, and this is Matthias Yenmark heading to the Vegas Golden Knights along with a fifth round pick from the Blackhawks. Uh, The Hawks get back in exchange a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick. Uh, First of all, this is just what you exactly signed Matias Janmark for, and I think you got appropriate value back for him, maybe even a little bit above slot value where he could have been given his little kind of recent 10 game wall uh, with only one assist. Um, so I think this is an excellent, uh, you know, flip for Standbo here.
1: I absolutely agree, Johnny. I think it's an incredible flip. I think it's interesting, too, that we saw the deadline play out the way it did. And what I mean by that is I think guys went a lot higher for value than we anticipated, right? I think the first trade being kind of Eric Stahl a couple of weeks back when he went to Montreal, Buffalo had retained 50% of his salary, and they only got a third and a fifth. So for Stan to get a second and a third for Mark by just waiting it out, waiting till these teams that are at the top of the standings are trying to you know buy, buy, buy and go for it, They did a nice job. And I mean, hell, you get two picks that are probably going to be in the top 100 now over the course of the next two years to continue to replenish this farm system. So very nice job by staying in that trade.
0: Yeah, I would be remiss, though, Ron. I think you covered all the value on it perfectly there in comparison to around the rest of the league, so I don't need to harp on that. Uh, We all knew Yanmark was going to be a piece that would be flipped. We said that immediately after he signed. So uh, the Barstool Chiefs of the World and everybody was wondering, what's the fit on this team? What's the fit? Well, the fit was just for half a season and then go to another place so you could recoup some draft capital. That was Mm -hmm. the old goal uh, with that, and it just worked out because uh, I'd be remiss, like I said, though, if I did not uh, say that I appreciated Matias Yanmark during his time in Chicago. Uh, He wanted an offensive resurgence. Hey, he was on pace for it this year. 10 goals, 9 assists through 41 games, 19 points. Uh, That that was better than what he was putting up in kind of like the fourth line role, third line role in Dallas. So uh, good for him personally to be able Mm -hmm. to revitalize that game. That was a goal of his coming to Chicago. Um, Good for Stan getting the value back there. And also he was just a good teammate. You know, he was a solid player, obviously did a little bit of everything, Um, maybe not power play, but, you know, killed some penalties, played defensive responsibility, could play up with the skill guys we saw early in the year playing with Patrick Kane. And perhaps my favorite moment, Ron, um, was when he picked up the puck uh, from Dylan Strom's first goal as a new dad. That might have been my best thing, and that's just the consummate professional and teammate and good person that Matias Janmark is. So thank you to Yanni. You got anything on him?
1: Yeah, I, I just agree with you wholeheartedly. And honestly, I think he's a guy that maybe made such an impact in his time here. I mean, we always joked about the J.C. trust circle and how he was kind of that guy for, for Colleton. I wouldn't be surprised personally. Again, I think it depends on, you know, Stan's going to have a lot of pieces. He's going to have to work through this offseason. guys who's staying, who's going, you know, who's going to be a part of this team as they build toward the future. If the, the opportunity arose, I think on both sides, I wouldn't be surprised if Jan Mark re-signed. I really wouldn't if he came back in the offseason, maybe on a two or a three year deal. Um, I think again, though, it just depends on fit, you know, right? Like, if they like some of these younger guys that they got at the deadline or they got, you know, maybe guys that are going to be ready next year that are, you know, prospects right now. A lot of it depends. But again, from like you said, Johnny, he was a great teammate, consummate professional, really good, just kind of all around player for this team. The fit to me there is exactly that. He's a good vet and, and he can do a lot of things. So. Wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him back in a Hawks uniform, but at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if that was the only time we ever see him in the Indiana. I think
0: it's something where at least the two camps will circle the wagons and Mm -hmm. see if anything makes sense. And if it doesn't move on, they'll move on, uh, you know, their separate ways. And if it does, they could link up again and you'd see uh, kind of uh, some other names leaving then. Uh, But we, we, we shall see. Uh, That's a talk for the off season. Uh, Matias, Mark is a Vegas golden Knight Now Blackhawks Riku. It's a nice draft capital. Second this year, third next year. So that wraps up that trade let's get to the next one another veteran who we figured could be on the move did not know for sure if this would be but very movable contract at only one million dollars uh Carl Soderberg is headed back to the avalanche where he spent multiple years um but he is going there and the Blackhawks get a pair of prospects in return Ryder Rolson Notre Dame forward and Josh Dickinson another forward prospect
1: here Ron initial thoughts on this one Yeah, initial thoughts. I thought it was actually a pretty good return for Soderbergh, and it's not a shot at Soderbergh by any means. It's just, you know, he he is a bottom six center at this point in his career, but he had a nice year for the Hawks. I mean, 15 points, and I think it was 34 games he officially played, obviously, with the, the travel visa issues. He started a little later than most of the guys, so I think he did a really nice job for the Blackhawks, and Again, like you mentioned, he had a lot of success in Colorado. They know him well. It's still the same group that was there when they brought him in. So they know what they're getting. I think they realize he's a good veteran to add at this point in the season for them. And honestly, initially my thought was, what the hell did we get back? Uh, But once I did some digging, Johnny, one player more so maybe than the other, but I don't hate this deal at all. Yeah. So, uh,
0: when you're looking at, um, Dickinson, just kind of a E-E-C-H-L-A-H-L guy forward here. So that's, just, I think that's kind of just organizational depth. But Ryder Rolson is the kind of a little more flashy one. And I think that's what you're alluding mm-hmm. to here. Uh, a Notre Dame product. Um, you know, Stan, he likes that connection. It's local. They've done events with Notre Dame there. Uh, yeah. they obviously drafted Landon Slagert. Uh, they had mm-hmm. Dennis Gilbert before. Um, but he likes that connection. So they get a guy there. And then when you're scouting Landon Slagert, then you get, you know, uh, uh, killed two birds with one stone. You can go see uh, Ryder Rolson
1: alongside him. Yeah, absolutely. And and there was a lot of reports, again, scrolling through Twitter like a madman yesterday. There were a lot of reports that the Blackhawks actually wanted to take Ryder Rolson in that fifth round where he was drafted. So he's a fifth round pick by the Avalanche just now this past draft in 2020. He was picked two picks before the Blackhawks took Isaac Phillips, who was a guy that you and I covered and now has actually signed a contract with the organization they wanted Ryder Rolston. That was the report was they really liked him and were high on him, but Colorado took him two picks before. So I think this was kind of Stan's way of being like, hey, that was a kid we really liked. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, it's nice having him down the street at Notre Dame and South Bend, easy to scout him, playing with Landon Slaggart. They really like what he has. And it's also worth mentioning too, he is the son of a pretty good NHL vet and Brian Rolston, who played a very long NHL career. So uh, good bloodlines there and, yeah, like you said, he's kind of the flashy one. They they really like his back-checking ability. He's got a lot of good skills. So only a freshman. Struggled a little bit as a freshman, which is pretty normal at the collegiate level. So it'll be really interesting to see his development over yeah. the next few seasons.
0: Yeah, just on Rolson, real quick notes before we wrap this trade up, Ron. Um, You'd mentioned the struggle a little bit. Uh, Point production, not entirely there. Uh, One goal, five assists, good for six points, over 28 games. But he was a uh, 30-plus point guy with both the uh, U.S. National Development team, uh, his 18 U season, and the uh, Waterloo Blackhawks of the USHL uh, in 2019-2020. So um, worth mentioning there, kind of hints at the skill a little bit more uh, than those college numbers indicate. So uh, let's move on for this last trade, uh, excuse me, trade deadline day uh, transaction for the Blackhawks here. And this was uh, a guy who was just a, a sign and flip uh, Madison Bowie defenseman uh, and a fifth round pick go to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for uh, a fourth round pick this year. So um, this one, I guess, a little bit just kind of a move to make a move, in my opinion. And unfortunately, there are deeper implications for this Ron because Madison Bowie would have been able to be exposed to the upcoming expansion draft. Now it's looking like on the defensive side of things, our guy, hate to say it, Calvin DeHaan is likely the man to be exposed. And that doesn't mean, you know, Seattle could go a different direction, but a good enough player, I feel like he could be gone uh, from the Blackhawks after this.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that's definitely a, a possibility. I agree. I think that was the first thought a lot of people had when Bowie was flipped to Vancouver. Nice seeing them get a higher draft pick out of it. I mean, essentially, you know, their fifth that they already had this year, they turn it into a fourth. Now Bowie was really probably never going to do much here besides be exposed to the expansion draft. So uh, I, I think that will be okay. But I also think what a lot of people maybe are losing sight of Johnny, and, and this is just a general kind of thought, but Brett Connolly is a perfect guy to be exposed as well on the forward side of things. Um, he still has another two years after this um he carries about a 3.5 cap hit and a lot of people got to remember the Kraken do still need to be cap compliant. So sometimes they have to take those type of contracts and get those depth guys that they can bring into the fold. So maybe we see something happen like what we saw a lot of in the Vegas expansion draft where you know Seattle comes and tells the Hawks, "Hey, we're going to take Calvin DeHaan." And the Hawks go, "How about we give you a fourth-round pick and you take Connolly instead?" Wouldn't be surprised maybe if something like that happens. But I agree. Unfortunately, I think it does mean DeHaan will at least be exposed and it runs the risk and it makes me sad. So hopefully that doesn't happen, Johnny. But I agree that was definitely my first thought as well when this move was made.
0: It's just the reality of the situation where you're at. Um, you know, the, that kind of initially offered protection for Connor Murphy. Um, so that's obviously the priority here. So you do have to put your ducks in a row. Um, and I think we can both agree, as much as we love Calvin Hahn, uh, it's more important to keep Connor Murphy around. So you do not have to expose him now. Uh, but Calvin DeHaan will likely be the guy. As for this trade, uh, like you said, moving up, uh, that's good. Bowie didn't, you know, already crowded here. We, we got plenty of defensemen in the pipeline here. Um, so clearing some space there, too. I think that um, is a little bit beneficial. And I think it helps, you know, maybe on a tertiary level some of these other defensemen prospects like, oh, I, that's just one less guy I have to go and beat out or whatever. It's right? someone mm-hmm. else that's just in the mix there because, you know, Bowie got time and you saw a guy like Lucas Carlson chipped out of here. He was probably uh, dejected by that a little bit. I would imagine, uh, especially after he got some looks uh, last year. So um, uh, that, that wraps up uh, the, these trade deadline day uh, transactions for the Blackhawks. Stand uh, in the Blackhawks, one of the busier teams, a little bit surprising. We had, Thought a little bit more Stan Pat, uh, you know, outside of some of the moves that were kind of obvious. I think we all kind of knew Yanmark would be gone. Um, You know, uh, Lucas Walmart flipped as well. Um, And, you know, it, it was overall not entirely shocking. But at the same time, there were a few uh, small surprises in here. So I, I think that's a good way to wrap up uh, the trade deadline edition here. Um, let's get into some recent action for the Blackhawks, Ron. Uh, big sweep of Columbus we're coming off of. Uh, apologize to the listeners for not having postgame shows uh, after this, but we were doing a little uh, on-tap Sportsnet anniversary celebration Saturday night. So I um, hope you enjoyed some of the picture content that came out of that. Uh, and then, um, you know, it, it was a big sweep, though. Because that Saturday night game, Ron, they let's start with this one. They fall behind early down to within like the first, like what, five, six minutes of the game. Yeah. Jeremy Collin finally utilizes the timeout correctly. Um, and they respond big time after that. And they come surging back and win this game four to three. I know it got a little bit close at the end with the line. A goal. Um, to make it four to three. They were up four two uh, after a while. But I really, really like the response after that timeout was called.
1: One thousand percent, Johnny. And I I know I joked with uh, with you and Tony on Saturday night. I was like, JC called a timeout. He got he got animated on the bench. They responded. I was like, is Jeremy Colleton turning the corner as a head coach? Because obviously Tony and I, for those that have been longtime listeners, probably recall the episode from the 2019 season opener where we went to more or less a screaming match. And Johnny's got it all on camera. But um. No, I think that was a great job by Colleton. And he even admitted, he's like, yeah, I don't like doing that. But he's like, but I saw the the situation and it needed to happen. And he got, I just like that he got animated. I mm-hmm. think that was what everybody was really waiting to see, right? Like if he calls the timeout and just talks to them, do they really respond the same way? No, no. So I think that was what I enjoyed the most out of it. Yeah, great to see him use it correctly. But then even better to see him kind of lay into the guys a little bit and say, hey, wake the hell up. You just dropped a really disappointing game to the stars the other night. You look the exact same way. Do you really want to lose two in a row like that or pick it up and let's get some, these two points and let's try and win this series against Columbus because guys, we're still knocking on a playoff opportunity here, but we got to pick shit up. So I love to see it out of JC. So one thing that I
0: I wanted to touch on from this, obviously I agree 100%. We talked about it in person on Saturday night, but yes, uh, love to see Jeremy Collin get animated. That's kind of, you know, the fire that we've kind of been looking for and fans are so used to from so many years of Joel Quinville. And obviously we know he was never short on bringing the fire. So that was nice to see. And obviously the team's response was excellent to see and much needed uh, because they need these points. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. get into the implications of that in a second here. Uh, But this game-winning goal, I talked about it. And when we were all eye on the Hawks on Saturday night run. We're all feeling good after that win, you know, drinking some beers, having a good time, uh, celebrating it. Um, Yeah, it was great. But just the first of all, one Kirby Doc looks much more comfortable. We talked about some of the adjustment period coming back, uh, him mixing back into the lineup, those first two Nashville games, just, you know, trying to get the feel out. And even after that, still a little bit like, ah, where does he fit? We're kind of switching lines here. Um, But, hey, he he had a great setup on what would be the game winning goal, and they needed that fourth one. And Dylan Strom with an excellent finish on that. Um, And that just goes to show you that Dylan Strome, I think, uh, with seeing that play, I think there's long-term implications there. If you are keeping him around, uh, it could be a spot on a wing for him. So I just wanted to throw out that observation. I don't know if you have any thoughts, and we'll get to uh, Monday night's game.
1: Yeah, I feel like, and this was something that you mentioned, Johnny, that you and I got to talk a little bit about in person on Saturday night too. It almost seems like Dylan Strome is more comfortable on the wing. And I think that's just comes with like the responsibility of having to be a centerman, especially because he's not the most fleet of foot for an NHL centerman, but he has the skill. I mean, he was a third overall draft pick for a reason. Like the guy wasn't just a total miss. The skill is there. We saw, like you said, we saw it on the goal. That's a hell of a shot that he puts in the back of the net. You know, I agree with you. Maybe there is a spot on a wing for Dylan Strom. Maybe Dylan Strom is just better off becoming a top six winger with guys like Kubalik and DeBrinket and Kane. And then hopefully Johnny comes back. We hope you're you're good, man. We miss you, Captain Mister Serious. But you know, hopefully you get Johnny back, and your one twos, him and Doc. You got to feel pretty good about that for the future, especially then with the amount of depth guys that you have like Kurechev, Suter, Hagel. The list goes on. So. Dylan Strome, maybe, maybe the wing yep. is really best for him to have a good NHL career.
0: And you know what? It'll all depend on what goes down this offseason. I'm just saying it for stuff that I've seen on the ice. This is yeah. not doing with contracts or anything like that. That's just right. fit on the ice and it looked good and it resulted in a big goal at the Blackhawks needed on Saturday night. So they win that one. Uh, another 4-3 win on Monday night. And this one was big, Ron, because of the setup, um, Sunday night the Stars and Predators played, and it was the worst possible outcome for the Blackhawks standings-wise because the Predators, who the Blackhawks are chasing, beat the Stars, but it was in a shootout, so the team below the Blackhawks, the Stars, get a point in the standings still, and Nashville still gets there too. So a three-point game, worst possible outcome, uh, especially with Nashville winning that. You know, it still sucks that if if it would have went the other way, but you think you would take the one point for Nashville over uh, the one point for... uh, Dallas uh, so this was a must win then coming into Monday night and it seems like every game is pretty much a must win uh, down the stretch here in the Blackhawks they went down uh, in this one they had a little bit of a third period comeback and uh, that was thanks to a guy that we had mentioned earlier here who scored the uh, event you know go ahead goal at the time uh, within the third period Brett Connolly first game in
1: welcome to the Blackhawks man yeah, welcome, Brett Connolly. And I think a lot of people maybe don't know much about Connolly because he's always been kind of that under-the-radar kind of player throughout his career, but had a lot of really good years with the Capitals. I, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was with Boston for a little bit as well. Played pretty nicely there. He uh, put a depth role on the Caps team that won it in 2018. Yes, he did. Very good depth role. And, and even last year with, uh, with Florida, I think a lot of people forget in that shortened season last year, he still had 19 goals. Like, this dude knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. What a nice play. Um, I, I had goosebumps, Johnny, watching him score because for those that maybe realize he is wearing number 20. And Brandon Sod is my <laughs> favorite all-time player. Yeah. So it was weird. It was weird. But hey, I mean, honestly, Connolly, if he can continue to prove that he can be this type of scorer and like a depth scorer for the Blackhawks. I think ultimately maybe he's the guy that does go to Seattle and I, I, in an elevated role. Maybe, Johnny, kind of what we saw with the Vegas Golden Knights, some of those guys in an elevated role who were suppressed on other teams for years, maybe he does break out with a team like the Kraken. But you know, for now, he's a really nice depth addition for a team that, as we mentioned, Johnny, the standings are so important. They're two points out of a playoff spot. Like They can still do this, and Connolly is going to be that type of guy that can really get them there.
0: Yeah, since we're in trade mode today, um, you'd mentioned uh, we just talked about Connolly there. Still, Riley Stillman also made his debut last night. Nikita Zadorov was a healthy scratch, that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I will say, Riley Stillman, I think there's potential there. Um, but he, you could tell he was a little bit lost, uh, looking to find his place in the lineup. And that's you know, just like we talked about, even Kirby Dock, a guy who'd been team before, coming back takes a little bit to mesh in there. Uh, I think it's good. Riley Stillman, I think he'll be okay. Uh, but last night there were few instances where he looked okay, and then a few instances where he looked completely lost. So just wanted to mention that. Uh, But he also did make his uh, Blackhawks debut in Columbus last night. Um, Other than that, notes from this game on Monday, uh, first of all, just fuck Max Domi. Um, He he had a whole sequence where he was just jumping Connor Murphy, and he got the appropriate... Two minor penalties on the play. Unfortunately, the Blackhawks weren't able to convert on that four-minute power play, uh, but still won the game. Uh, we'll get to how they, that happened in a second. But, you know, he, he runs into Murphy's back, feels like he got elbow just because he's so damn short, uh, even though he just ran into Murphy's back and it was probably the back of his uh, pads there. Um, And and then he goes, proceeds to jump him, tries to fight him. And everybody's oh, well, why isn't Conor Murphy dropping the gloves? Well, guess what? Adam Bocas went down earlier in the game after taking a puck to the face in the first shift of the game. So you're already down to 5D. You've got a new guy in the mix, and Riley Stillman looking a little lost, like I mentioned, Um, you know. Max Domi, your dad's still not proud of you. That's all I have to say about that sequence. I'm glad you got the penalties and the 10 on top of it. So I just needed to air that out because that, that was ridiculous and egregious. And any any person who views that objectively, obviously fans, we can have our polarizing opinions. The objective hockey people, when you go and look at the replay, they'll say that, you know, Max Domi is in the wrong there. So I just wanted to air that out. But let's get to the common denominator. I talked about Kirby Doc setting up the game-winning goal on uh. Saturday night, he did it again here, Monday night, uh, and it was the full crew of young guns getting it done. Ron, I love to see this. White Nuck, Kirby Dock, Brandon Hagel out on the ice in overtime. Uh, this is after line scored a prolific goal near the end of the third period to tie this thing up, went coast to coast, you know, looking like Columbus has a momentum, but uh, young guns on the ice. Like I'd mentioned that trio there, Kalyanuk evades a uh, checker in his own zone uh, passes up through the neutral zone to Kirby doc on the right wing uh, who leads them in with the zone entry. Brandon Hagel on the opposite left wing uh, doc feeds the perfect pass over, weights it out a little bit. And Hagel, uh, even being on the offside there, obviously like ideally have a righty there, uh, like a cat type to snipe there. But Hagel still able to drive it past the glove of Jonas Corpasalo, who immediately did not have the best of games. But either way, uh, Hawks need to get it done. They did just that. Kirby Doc setting this thing up a, with some help from Kelly Nuck. Hagel with the finish. Uh, man, uh, that was exhilarating, Run.
1: You love to see it, Johnny. You really do. And, and again, I mean, this is such a unique season for the Blackhawks, and we've talked about it time and time again. It's a very young team, but it's a young team that's learning on the fly and they are playing competitive hockey for being depleted. I mean, hell, most of this season they've been without their two top centermen and they were still winning games and still finding a way to get it done. And a lot of young guys stepping up and learning on the fly and what we're deeming kind of a retooling phase of this Blackhawks team. But yeah, what a, what a refreshing sight to see, right? I mean, years ago, that situation would have been Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, and, and Jonathan Taves on the ice. And maybe it's Johnny setting up Kaner for the winner to end it. Instead, you got these young guys stepping up. Kallunuk, like you mentioned, uh, maybe a very underrated play of the whole thing, avoiding the four checker the way he did to create a three-on-two situation and feeds Kirby Doc. Kirby Dock's got all the time in the world to skate into the zone. Kallunuk calculated risk we discussed it a little bit before jumping on but he, he he takes that defender with him by crashing the net mm-hmm. and all Hagel's got to do is finish and what a shot by Hagel when you watch the replay kind of from his side of the ice whoo that was a laser beam under Corpusallo's Gloves, so what a nice job for the young guns, and that's a hell of a way to cap off that Columbus series, Johnny.
0: Yeah, it is, absolutely. You know, Great to get a sweep finally, feels like we've been splitting or just getting swept ourselves uh, and everything yeah. since the beginning of March, essentially, so uh, once again, great to have a sweep. Um, I'd like to put a nail in the coffin of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their organization is in disarray right now, and I'm loving every second of it, uh, especially for things like that Max Domi incident, so um, let's look at implications, though. We're done with the Columbus Blue Jackets for the year. They're in our rear view mirror we're looking ahead now Uh, we'll have you know a couple games at Detroit more you know must wins but should be wins uh coming up but let's look at standings before we do that Uh, with that win last night keeps the Blackhawks within two points of the Nashville Predators so Nashville 23 19 uh and one they have 47 points in that fourth and final central division playoff spot Blackhawks right behind them on their tails 20 18 and 5 with 45 points and now uh Dallas with uh they're in that sixth spot Uh, 15, 14, 11, uh, 41 points. So obviously they have some games to make up due to their earlier cancellation, Uh, but good, good spot for the Blackhawks to be in. We'll be doing some scoreboard watching tonight, Uh, tonight being Tuesday, April 13th. Um, The Blackhawks are uh, off uh, idle tonight and tomorrow uh, before retaking the ice on Thursday, which we will preview in a second here, but we'll be doing some scoreboard watching tonight because uh, the lightning uh, and Predators play at 7 p.m. Central time and the Panthers and Stars play at uh, 7.30 p.m. Central time. So if you're looking for some off night uh, Blackhawks off night viewing tonight, definitely um, watch those teams, see how they're performing because the Blackhawks will have games against uh, the National Predators and big ones at that coming up after Nashville. So um Ron, let's just start with uh, what's on tap next, and that is the Blackhawks at Red Wings Thursday, April 13th, uh, 6.30 p.m. believe it should be NBC Sports Chicago.
1: Um, must win here. Hundred percent must win, Johnny. And you mentioned the scoreboard watching. I, I've never been a bigger Bolts fan or a Florida Panthers fan in my entire life, um, unlike tonight. But here we a are. Better, you know. Could you have a better setup for the? I mean, I know like
0: those teams are pesky right now, but still playing those uh, you know more upper echelon teams of the division yeah.
1: there. That's great. It's it's exactly what you hope for when the Blackhawks have to take these teams because the Blackhawks are going to have to play them themselves. But this is an excellent opportunity coming up, Johnny. And obviously, we're focusing focusing on Thursday night against Detroit. But you got the two with Detroit. And then you got 3 games with the National Predators all next week. I believe it's 2 at home and I believe 1 on the road. So, yep. An excellent opportunity for the Blackhawks to a catch the Predators and b surpass the Predators. So, really important next 5 games because then really in the back end of the season, you I think you've got Dallas maybe one or two more times, maybe even three more times I think because of a cancellation. But then you got like the Hurricanes and the Bolts. You got a lot of really good teams. The Hawks still got to play. So beat the teams you need to beat. And Thursday night is a perfect place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Ron. Uh, you talked about that upcoming schedule. Obviously, the uh, Nashville trio of games all in, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday period uh, in that week. So uh, that, that will be an interesting one. You also got the Panthers mixed in there for just one game. Uh, and like you'd mentioned, uh, some stars and bolts on the schedule, too, uh, as well when we get down the stretch of this. So uh, take care of what you can now. Let's not overlook this Detroit series because they have been playing a little bit better. And, you know, it's, it's Detroit still, but they have been playing a little bit better uh, than their abysmal, you know, kind of start to the season uh, They had them really Really down in the dumps, and you know, they're never going to dig out of that, they're not going to move up in a state. Actually, you know what? They might with how bad Columbus is tailing off right now. Uh, but either way, it's still, you know, Detroit. We know the status of their team, but well, let's not overlook them. I think that's the biggest thing, and uh, really need to drive that home. And this could be a good couple of games like sure you still need to win and make sure you're doing what you need to do to win but this could be a good couple of games of feeling it out and getting these new guys you know integrated into the lineup and see where they fit and get them comfortable like a Riley Stillman I think he could be effective Um, but needs to get comfortable too first with the partner and also in the system. So um, we will see, well, I think certain. that's my biggest thing I'll be looking for uh, in this series of games. Um, and that, you know, second game will be a Saturday night game uh, out in the motor city, uh, the 17th. So uh, that's what we're looking at here. 6 PM central time for that Saturday night game, 6 30 PM uh, on Thursday, April f- uh, 15th, which will be the next game here. So Ron, uh, we've talked about a lot of good topics here. Uh, let's get some final thoughts and then we'll uh, get out of here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Thursday's game, like we said, Johnny, going to be a big one. Uh, Expecting a lot of this Blackhawks team against Detroit. Really hoping they can take advantage of the situation. Expect to see Kevin Lankin in two days rest. Um, You know, I would expect he'd be in the lineup. The Hawks, I don't think, play many more back-to-backs. I think they only have maybe one or two the rest of the year. So, Um, expecting a full dose of cool, calm, collected Kevin. And with that being said, Johnny... um, we are doing stick-to-clicks, correct, for Thursday's time? Oh, yeah, Thursday's let's conference? do a stick-to-click. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, let's do it. I'm going to go off the board, Johnny, and I'm, I'm really feeling good about this one. The only thing that can screw this up is if J.C. sits him, but I'm going to go ahead and take Brett Connolly as my stick-to-click for Thursday night. I think he elevates his play. He is playing essentially just to make sure people still remember who the hell he is. He had a really rough year so far in Florida this year. I think it was, what, four points in 21 games with the Panthers, He had a nice goal the other night, you know, if if it whether it's with the Blackhawks in the future or potentially with a team like potentially the Seattle Kraken, he's playing for that next opportunity to continue his career. Still a fairly young player. And I think he's got the skill to be a really different real big difference maker for the Blackhawks down the stretch here. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Brett Connolly. But as a backup plan, God forbid he doesn't play. uh, I'm going to go ahead and take one Kirby Doc as my honorable mention, just in case Connolly isn't in the lineup. Nice. Uh, I like that you mentioned that because I think
0: when these trades happen, especially after and we're trying to analyze and we've done a little bit ourselves here, but you're looking long term. Mm -hmm. I like to come back and look at it in a microscope. Let's talk about these next like, you know, two weeks here. Like I'm not talking like down the stretch like Brett Connolly's here. He's here through the end of the season. The trade deadline is done. So Mm -hmm. let's focus on him and see what he can do. And like you said, playing for that next opportunity still. So thinking long term, but either way in the short term. Where's he going to be doing it? Right here in Chicago with the Blackhawks. So I like that pick. Um, but you know, if if he's not in the lineup, um, you your pick your pick is who I'm going with, uh, no matter what, and that's Kirby Doc. I mentioned the reasons why. Setting up the game-winning goals, looking like he's more comfortable in the lineup here, uh, he has his fit down. So uh, Kirby Doc is a no-brainer for me Thursday night in Detroit. Um, I think we could see him, you know, uh, dishing him and then also lighting the lamp. Uh, it'd be nice to see. Uh, I think he's got a little bit size advantage, uh, reach advantage to be able to kind of. Uh, drive home some pucks near the net so that's what i'm gonna go with kirby doc there um other than that hey uh we blackhawks fans in general like to rip on stanbo for uh a lot of things that have happened in the past Uh, a lot of contracts a lot of you know deals that they didn't agree with this time try and find me a deal that you don't agree with or you don't like think is at least beneficial uh to the blackhawks long term i yeah can't see it. Maybe go on that with the Highmore flip. If you were a big Highmore fan, maybe Pick Misky has a little gripe with that. But other than that, I can't really, like, Stan did a good job. That's basically what I'm saying.
1: I know, and I don't like it, Johnny. I, I've actually been eating my words a lot with Stan Bowman lately, and it's really starting to make me think that a lot of those negative things that we bitched about for years and years with Bowman might have had a lot to do with McDonough. yeah You know, he's finally getting the opportunity just to be the guy. Danny Wirtz is letting him just, you control the hockey ops. Nobody's breathing over your shoulder. I'm going to check in with you and make sure you got what you need. But, you know, we got Jamie Faulkner in here now. She's running business. She's not going to be in your business. You you build us a hockey team that's going to win games, and we'll take care of the rest. And damn it, Johnny. Stan's making me eat my words. Those were good trades. All of them, all six of them, if you look at them in a microscope, yeah. just analyzing the, the, the deal. It was a
0: trade way yeah. earlier, yeah.
1: Like – None of them can hurt the current state of the team. They can only help the future of this mm. team. And it's like, damn it, Stan, you might actually be good at your job, and I I might have to take back every bad word I've ever said about you. But quit trading Brandon Saad multiple times. If he ever comes <laughs> back, keep him. Just let him fucking retire a hawk. Yeah. That's my only gripe.
0: Yeah, I I don't think you know you could still hold that and be like okay well here's the bad and here's the good and when you're weighing you could mm-hmm. but all these recent ones you have to put in the good category but obviously you know there were some of the bad uh, big time but like you said I, I think there was a factor of a John McDonough and marketing side uh, weighing in on the hockey ops side uh, because of the titles that they previously held and now they've right. split it up into the trio uh, that they have with Faulkner, Wirtz and Bowman there at the top so um, overall though uh, I think successful trade deadline for the Blackhawks huge huge games coming up must wins if you've uh, been around. Around, you know, you guys uh, heard it a million times on Saturday night, but just huge, huge stretch here because we're getting into crunch time, baby. Uh, this is what I live for. You know, I, I love the game by game shit, uh, breaking these down. So I cannot wait to do some post game shows. Hopefully, talking about a string of Hawks winners here with you, Ron. So uh, that's about it. This episode of Four Feathers Podcast, uh, we are. Uh, presented by the ONTAP Sportsnet. So make sure you go to ONTAPSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, not just the Blackhawks. we got Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Bulls, uh, a million other things over there, gambling, uh, Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, uh, you name it. It's there. NFL Draft, all of that good stuff, ONTAPSportsnet.com. Go check it out. And once again, if you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your shows. Uh, and when you subscribe, you can get these right in your queue as soon as they drop. So, uh, Ronald, Nice trade deadline. Let's go get some more wins and let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.